of life we love to during this show show you all the shortcuts through all of life's difficult questions we look at this crazy world the ups and downs old mother earth holds and how humans deal with the roller coaster today we're going to show you the fun and easy way to get to heaven that's right. If you're watching us, that means you like to be educated. And that's what we do here on the station with the many help of our proud sponsors. We have a special guest with us today, Nicole. Nicole's been a Christian for a while, so she knows the ropes and is going to keep us on track to getting you into heaven. Say hi, Nicole. Hi. Well, that's enough out of her for now. Why don't we get to our first quick fix solution? Right. The first and easiest way to get to heaven is by money. You got that right, John? As long as you are rich and have plenty of money and buy lots of stuff and give the majority of your money to us, then you should be fine. Now let's go to our Christian Nicole and see what she thinks of that. I completely agree. That's right. If you send us 37 easy payments of $89.99, you too can find your way into heaven. Now remember, folks, heaven's treasures are far greater than the ones here on earth, so we don't want you to think about how much money it is. We want you to think of heaven. Stop. Let's rewind and see what Nicole should have responded with. That's right, John. As long as you are rich and give your money to the poor people and buy lots of stuff with your money, then you should be fine. Let's go to our Christian Nicole and see what she thinks of that. Actually, it says in the Bible that you can't get yourself into heaven with any money. I think Jesus even said that you should sell all your stuff and follow him. Right. We knew that, folks. We just wanted to see what Nicole really knew. <laughs> you got that right, John. Everybody knows that the real way to get into heaven is by being a good person. That's right, Bobby. Being a good person is the only way to get to heaven. Did we get it right this time, Nicole? Yes, this time you hit it right on the head. Here are some simple ways to get into heaven. Help an old lady across the street. Give poor people food. Build a house. Walk some dogs. Milk a cow. M milk a cow? All right, I'll pause it right there and let's rewind and let's see how Nicole should have answered. That's right, Bobby. Being a good person is the only way to get into heaven. Did we get it right this time, Nicole? Actually, no. Being a good person won't get you into heaven either. Well, I don't know what we're supposed to do with this roller coaster we're on. It, it, shouldn't this be simple? I'm no expert or anything, but I do know that all you have to do is put your trust in Jesus Christ and follow him the rest of your life, and you will go to heaven. That's it? Yeah. Kind of sounds like a church answer right here in a sermon or something. Well, it's that simple. God made it simple. The hard part is 
accepting the simplicity God came to offer. Boring. Come on, tell me I got to climb a mountain to Tibet and get enlightened or something. Nope. Oh, I've got to do a lot of drugs and drink like a rock star or get a bad disease before God comes into the picture. Why would you do all that stuff when the answer is right in front of your face? Well, the, the rock star thing would have been cool, though. Well, you heard it here, folks. That's how you really get into heaven. <laughs> That's a letdown. I wanted something more complicated. Um, John, Bobby, God made it simple. God gave us the freedom to choose him. How about you two? Do you want to go to heaven? Well, I don't know about you, John, but I'm completely lost for words. Completely lost for words. Well, thank you for tuning in to our show, Roller Coaster of Life, where we try to help you get off the thing or at least survive. But you don't have to just survive. Shut it, Sherlock. <laughs> Come back next week when we tell you the reason you always get a zit before a dance. Well, good morning. Let's have another round of applause for the drama team. That was great. And also uh, the worship team this morning. I thought uh, I was coming from the other campus and I, uh, I heard, uh, while I was out here on the sidewalk, I heard, I'll fly away uh, at the top of your lungs. That was, that was pretty good stuff, good singing. So there's a, uh, there's a mom who walks into her uh, son's bedroom on Sunday morning and tries to rouse him and she comes back a few minutes later and she says come on you got to get up it's uh, we're got to go to church and he boldly announced uh, I'm not going today and uh, <clears throat> she said you have to you're the pastor <laughs> so I'm not absolutely sure where Danny is today but just saying uh, I don't know if he's snoozing or not uh, I think he's off uh, performing a wedding somewhere. Isn't it incredible what's happened in uh, Houston and uh, Louisiana this week? It just, it's just hard to wrap your mind around uh, the billions of dollars of damage, the life loss, the disruption of schedules. Um, and, uh, and it's encouraging to see people uh, rally together to, uh, <clears throat> to help those in need down there. And several people in our congregation have called the church office and asked, are we doing anything at all to help uh, with this relief effort? And the answer is yes, we are partnering with another church and in the month of September, we're gonna be sending a gift uh, uh, for the relief effort. And, um, and that, that's good for us to do as we feel uh, another's pain. But something that, that we need to do more is pray. Uh, President Trump has, uh, has declared this a national day of prayer for this national or natural disaster that has happened in Houston. So I would, I would hope that sometime during the day you pray a prayer for uh, people who are involved in this tragedy and, uh, and lift that whole situation up. A matter of fact, before we get started this morning, 
let's, uh, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer for, for what's going on. Father, we, we come to you because uh, this situation is uh, so much bigger than uh, the human mind or the human abilities have the ability to handle. And uh, we lift up Houston and, and the entire Gulf uh, to you this day. Uh, in, in their moment of need, we remember them in prayer. We, we think especially right now of the believers in that area, and we pray that their hearts would be encouraged by your spirit. And we also ask, O oh God, that um, you, would, uh, you would help people to have the, uh, the abilities to, uh, to put things back together, to get things corrected as this water recedes. Just minister to them today, and we want to be faithful in holding them up in prayer. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is also a, a, a day of celebration for another reason. It's uh, Labor Day. And uh, uh, Labor Day started back in the late 1800s when uh, men and women were working 12 hours a day and seven days a week, and some unions got together and said, this has got to stop. We've got to get a more civilized uh, work week available to us. And so we have uh, them to thank for that. But uh, this is a tribute day to everyone who has worked or is working right now for the contribution that you have made to the fabric of, of America. And so uh, don't just let this day go by tomorrow as a day off and not think anything about it. This is really a day of honoring you for the work that you have done and we, we celebrate that. We also wanna celebrate today uh, uh, something that is very and vital important uh, to uh, each one of us here. And I'm going to tell you a couple of stories and you'll quickly see uh, where I'm going uh, with this uh, celebration. <clears throat> when my son was uh, 10 years old, uh, he and I and a couple of other friends uh, flew to northern British Columbia to a fishing lodge and uh, we landed on, uh, uh, at this lodge on a lake that was 14 miles long. And uh, believe me, the fishing was good. And uh, I've got my son here in this service as a witness, so if you don't believe me as a fisherman, ask him. He'll tell you that it was really good. Well, there were a couple of brothers in this, uh, in this fishing camp this week with us. And they had heard about uh, uh, another lake that wasn't too far from the lake we were staying on, and there was a float plane available for us to go to this other lake. So these two brothers went up, and they uh, fished for a day, and, um, and when they came back, they said, if you think this fishing is good, that fishing is unbelievable. The only problem was, before the day was over, they had capsized their boat and lost absolutely everything they took with them, including a spin casting outfit that this one brother's father had given to him 40 years before. And he was pretty distraught that he had uh, lost this. Well, the next day, after hearing that fishing report, my son and I signed up and said, yeah, 
take us up there to go fishing. And we landed on this lake that was two miles wide and six miles long. And uh, the captain of the plane set us up in our boats, gave us our lunches for the day and said, I'll be back at seven o'clock tonight, have a, have a great day. And we started fishing and the fishing was fantastic. 23 to 25 inch trout every time your line was in the water. It was so good that my son in the mid-morning said, Dad, can I rest for a while? My arms are tired. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Well, we're fishing along this reed bed, and lo and behold, I hit a snag. And uh, so I stopped the boat, hit reverse, and back up over the snag, and I play with it a little bit. And then I break it loose, and I start to reel it up. And on the end of my line was this guy's fishing pole. And uh, it, uh, I, I was so excited to see it, and I said, this is Sonny's fishing pole. I can't wait to get back to camp tonight so that he can see this thing. So as soon as we landed back at the lodge, I, uh, I was looking for Sonny. And when he saw me and I saw him, I handed him this pole. And I said, look what I found up at the other lake, on the bottom of the lake. And he started crying like a baby and uh and uh before the evening was over sonny had gone into the lodge to the fishing shop and he had bought a brand new graphite fly rod and he gave it to me he says i want you to have this I said sonny a total coincidence you don't owe me anything he said no you have to take this this rod please accept it for finding my dad's uh my dad's gift to me now that's what I would call an unexpected gift. It just dropped out of the sky. Got a second story to tell you. A lot of you in here have children. Uh, my wife and I have two children, both of them adopted. Uh, one of them is from Kentucky and the other one is from Korea. And uh, the only difference between our kids is ours came from the airport, yours came from a hospital. Or perhaps some of you in here as well have, a, have adopted children. But I'll never forget the uh, first night that we brought each of these children home. And I could take you to the two chairs that we sat in and put that little baby in our lap and just watch their facial expressions, looked at their ears and their toes and and everything else and uh, really totally enjoyed the experience of that first night at home uh, with a baby. Now that's a gift that bought, brought the greatest joy that I can ever imagine. It was wonderful. I got one third story to tell you. In the uh, second book of Corinthians in the ninth chapter Paul is writing to the, to the Corinthian church and he's encouraging them to collect an offering for the, uh, for the saints in Jerusalem who are under persecution. And uh, he, uh, he's already complimenting, complimenting them on the great gift that uh, they're going to, to raise to give to this other church. And he says, you know, those who 
sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. But those who reap bound or sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he's encouraging them as much as he can with human terms. And, and it's not enough. And so he wants to demonstrate for them uh, what real giving uh, is all about. And so he writes uh, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and the 15th verse. And he says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible or undescribable gift, Jesus Christ. Have you ever received a better gift than the gift of Jesus? It, um, it is absolutely the best thing that has ever happened uh, in my life. How do you describe indescribable? Uh, there really are no words available. Uh, how do you describe love? Or how do you describe the deep peace that God gives to you in a time of crisis? It's, it's all about Jesus and what effect he has on our lives. And, and when he has this effect on our lives, uh, he is indescribable. He cannot be explained. Webster says it this way, something surpassing description. What, what kind of gift would you have to get for it to be indescribable? Well, I like the graphite fly rod pretty well, but I could explain it, I could describe it. When Jesus came into my life, there was no explaining it. There was just the sheer joy of enjoying it and developing a relationship with it and living and knowing the promises of God that will take me into eternity uh, with him. That is an indescribable uh, gift. It's, uh, it's so hard to, to explain because it's, uh, it's greater than, uh, than we can grasp. I mean, our, our human minds just cannot put your head around this. God becomes man and walks among us for your benefit. God becomes man and walks amongst us for our benefit. Jesus is different. Um, he, he claimed authority to forgive sin. Anybody tried that? Uh, he, uh, he administered healing to those who were deaf and blind and crippled. Uh, he showed a resolute calm uh, you know, when he was uh, railroaded and tortured uh, to his death. His followers claim to have seen him after he rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, the scriptures record for us, he spent 40 days with them, instructing them, having meals with them, enjoying one another's fellowship. God becoming man. Indescribable. Uh, what, uh, what he does uh, for us. Uh, he defies categories. Uh, he was uniquely God and he's uniquely man, and we can't wrap our minds around that. But I want to I recite for us a few things because I want you to remember some of these and celebrate with me on, on this day. This, this uh, gift uh, is, is valuable because of its nature. It's Jesus Christ 
God himself, who uh, is who we are celebrating. Jesus is our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our example. He's our substitute. He's our savior. He's our friend. He's our mediator. And he's our deliverer. The gift of salvation that we enjoy sitting in this room today is a gift that came at a very high price. The Son of God died uh, for uh, each one of us. Isaiah said uh, he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Just imagine, just imagine with me, as you, many of you have experienced, God walking with you every single day. That's a powerhouse to have in your wallet, isn't it? It, uh, it is amazing. Uh, his virgin birth is totally indescribable. And the whole concept of incarnation is, is hard to put your mind around. You know, Jesus did not come into existence in Bethlehem. He pre-existed all of that. He pre-existed before anything else was. He was at the right hand of God when this world was created, this universe was created. He is eternal. And, uh, and we celebrate uh, that. His words are indescribable. In the, first, or in the book of John, in the seventh chapter, John uh, re records, or records a, a comment that was made. There was never a man who spoke like him. When you read the words of Jesus, you see eternal wisdom and the power for your life. His works were indescribable. Remember when the, when the disciples were out on the, uh, on the lake and a storm blew up? And, uh, and they were fearful for their lives. And, um, and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And uh, they wake him up and say, what are you going to do? And, and he stands up and looks around, probably holds his arms out and says, peace be still and immediately that lake calmed down to a peaceful peaceful setting and they they wondered and said to themselves what kind of a man is this even the winds and the sea obey him this is your savior this is Jesus Christ this is the one that we're here all about and we uh, are celebrating uh, him today. He, he certainly was worthy of, um, of his presence uh, here on earth. You remember when he was on trial before Pontius Pilate, and there were all sorts of accu accusations uh, thrust against him. He broke this law. He broke the religious law. He broke the legal law. He, did so he must have done something wrong. And Pilate the only thing he can say is, I find no fault in him. He's perfect. He's worthy of our praise. As the book of Revelation says over and over again, worthy is the lamb that was slain, Jesus uh, Christ. And uh, there was his death. Uh, talk about a big miscarriage of justice. And yet... Uh, his death did something that was so important for you and me. He became the substitute for all of our sins. 
someone stepped in and took my place from centuries ago till he returned somewhere down the road. He died for all those sins. That's worth celebrating, don't you think? Amen. It, it, it certainly is. Uh, his resurrection is, is unbelievable, and his return is going to be fantastic. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Uh, there is no, uh, there is a victory in him that cannot be compared to uh, on this earth. We are no more, no longer conquerors through him, uh, or no longer conquerors, we are more than conquerors through him that, that loved us. But uh, not only has he uh, gained much for us, uh, he has given us eternal life. Look around you. You like the people you see around you? You better, because they're going to be in eternity with you. And, uh, and uh, you better get, thing, get your house in order here before you have to, to see them uh, through all of eternity. And then in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that appeared, all that God has prepared for those who love him. We, don't, we can't even put together thoughts about what the future is going to be like. You know, in the book of Revelation, when John describes streets of gold, now we consider gold to be a pretty uh, valuable resource. Up there, it's asphalt. <laughs> it's, it's just beyond conception what God has in store for us as his believers. Now, something that I, I certainly can't comprehend is this. My brother lives in Austin, Texas, and they're getting a, a lot of rain from Hurricane Harvey. And he was telling me the other night when I was checking on him that um, he was listening to a Houston meteorologist talk about, uh, talk about this storm. And this meteorologist gave a statistic that just blows my mind. He said, if you could take all of the energy that is generated in that storm, you would be able to power the entire United States for 100 years. That's power. And in the book of Colossians, Paul says in the 17th chapter of the, or 17th verse of the first chapter, Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's holding this whole thing together. I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate my Savior, my sustainer, the one who holds me uh, uh, beyond what this world uh, could even possibly, uh, possibly do. Now, uh, Jesus is also indescribable because uh, of his purpose in, in coming to earth. And this is real quick, but it will make a lot of sense to you. When Jesus, or when God looked down on us, he said, I don't think they need more wealth. I don't think they need better schools. I don't think they need a better transportation system. I think what they need is a savior. And he is so uh, right in, uh, 
in, in expressing that uh, sentiment of our greatest need uh, is, is to be saved. I have an Andy Stanley quote I want to put up on the screen for you. You may want to write this down. When I see my life as God sees my life, I am more inclined to do what he says. See, God sees the real you. There's no pretense. There's no dress up. There's no makeup. There's no nothing. It is the real you. And because he sees the real you and you know it, you want to do what he asks you to do. You want to come and be uh, one of his children. Jesus is also indescribable by the, because of the grace by, by which he has given. <clears throat> this gift is indescribable because of the motivation of the giver, God. You see, God didn't know us anything. And he chose to give. Uh, Romans 8.32, uh, you'll see this on the screen, is he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not freely give us all things? In 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. All voluntarily. He gave that all to us. Take it. It's yours to have. And it's a, it's a wonderful thought. It's a gift of grace that we all enjoy uh, thoroughly. There's a Christian author, maybe some of you have read him, his name is Timothy Keller. And he's written a variety of books, but the book of his that is my favorite is called The Prodigal God. And uh, it, it's based upon the prodigal son in, in uh, Luke 15. And um, he, he starts the book out by, by defining what prodigal is. Prodigal uh, doesn't mean uh, uh, wayward. Uh, a prodigal means uh, uh, recklessly spendthrift. Spending it all until it's all gone. You've got no resource left. So really, when you take that premise and look at the story of the prodigal son, the son is not the prodigal. God is the prodigal. His extravagant spending to find you and to rescue you, and to save you, and to walk with you, and, and all of this done voluntarily because he loves you so much, is, is a message that rings loud and clear to the whole world all the time. God loves you. Isn't that great? It's wonderful to think that I am so loved by, uh, by uh, Jesus Christ and the Father God. Years ago, my, life, my wife and I were living up in, in uh, Mount Vista uh, by the university campus. And we were leaving one Saturday afternoon to run a couple of errands. And we, we came down 20th Avenue, and we're at 20th Avenue and 134th Street. And I stopped at a stoplight there. And uh, there was an elderly lady standing 
at this stoplight, uh, not well dressed at all, and she had a look of terror on her on her face. And I immediately rolled down my window and asked her if if she was okay and was there anything that I could do for her. And she said these haunting words to me. I don't know where I am. And, um, and so I insisted that she get in the car and we pulled off to the side of the road and we talked to her a little bit. And uh, she absolutely had no clue where she was, either a, a dementia or an Alzheimer patient. And she had wandered away from home and was totally lost. And I said, well, I said, we'll call the police in a while if, if we can't find your house. But from that spot, I kept, I kept driving in larger circles around this area, bigger and bigger circles. And per, pretty soon, we were three, three and a half miles from where we started. And she said, that's it. That's my home. And and we pulled into the driveway and made sure that she got in the house and tried to encourage her to call a family member and, and reconnect with them. There's nothing more important in life than being found. See, when you're found, you're put on the right track and you have the ability to start steering in the right direction again every believer here this morning in all three services at some point in their life has been found and praise God for the finding we celebrate you Jesus because you love us so much that you voluntarily came to this earth to find me to find you it's amazing it's absolutely amazing how much uh, we are loved. And finally this morning, I want to finish up with this. <clears throat> this is all great uh, on the big picture. But if it doesn't have a personal effect on you, then it is of no value at all. And so uh, I, just, I just made a quick list here for you of when Jesus finds you, what it means. Your sins are forgiven. You're adopted into his family. You're guaranteed citizenship in heaven. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the wisdom and power that that provides for your life. You receive his peace and you receive his love. And you live forever forever uh, as one of his uh, children. A few years ago, there was, a, uh, there was a, a big screen movie that was on starring Jack Nicholson and uh, Helen Hunt called As Good As It Gets. It was a wonderful movie. The language could have improved some, but it was, it was a, a wonderful uh, movie. And... Um, for those of you who don't know, Jack Nicholson was this uh, obnoxious, 
individual who could not get along with anybody, who hated everybody and was superstitious of everything. He wouldn't walk on the cracks on the sidewalk and anything else that might uh, bring him bad luck. Except this one friend, a waitress in a restaurant where he frequented, Helen Hunt played that role, and she befriended him and tried to uh, put up with his antics. Well, over, over the course of the movie, there was, there was a bit of a romance that developed. Uh, Jack Nicholson uh, uh, liked her, wanted to spend more time with her, but every time that they were together, he blew it. He uh, put his foot in his mouth. He couldn't say the right thing, or he did the, did the wrong thing. And uh, she was pretty disgusted and about ready to totally drop him. And one night, they were in a restaurant together. And uh, she said, I want you to pay me an honest compliment tonight. Well, he made a couple of attempts at it and blew it. And she got up and left the table for a few minutes. And when she came back, uh, he said, I got it. I'm, I'm ready to uh, pay you this uh, compliment and uh, and uh, so she said okay fire away and he looked at her and gave her absolutely one of the best compliments that I have ever heard anyone make about anything about anything he said when I am with you it makes me want to be a better man Jesus when I'm with you it makes me want to be a better man. Ladies, when you're with Jesus, it should make you want to be a better woman because he raises the bar for all of us and the power that he provides for us carries us up to that level. Now I want to live a life of excellence. I want to live in his will. I want to do what he wants me to do. I, I want to befriend the unlovely. I want to be used of and available to him for whatever purpose he might uh, have uh, for me. So he has a big impact on us. And I've written a little formula for you here that, you, again, that you might want to write down. Three things in this formula. Experiencing God's grace. That's where you have to start. Experiencing God's grace produces gratitude. That's where we are this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And look, when you put grace and gratitude together, out of which flows what? Generosity. I want to serve him. I want to be used in the kingdom's work. I want to be generous to people. I want to be a person in my community, in my neighborhood, with the people I work with, that I can love them and I can serve them and I can be servants to them. There is a true disciple of Christ, all because he voluntarily came to this earth and, and died uh, for each and every one of us. <clears throat> now I want to bring this down to a personal level. I want to tell you a couple of things about the life of Jesus and its effect on me. 
See, we're so proud. It's hard to admit when we've messed up. But since being exposed to Christ, um, it makes me more willing to admit that I'm a sinner and that I need him. It doesn't hurt every day to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and by your grace, I will make it through this day. It makes me willing to confess that and admit that. And, and more importantly than that, since being with Christ, I, I, know, who I'm, I know who I am. Uh, I'm happy with myself, knowing that I'm God's child. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm not out looking for myself. I know who I am in God's kingdom as one of, of his children. When, uh, when God looked at our confused world uh, many thousands of years ago, he saw Roman soldiers marching in the streets, and he saw people looking for peace and meaning in their lives. He, he so urgently wanted to communicate with them uh, this great love that that we've been talking about this morning. But how shall I do it, he, he asked himself. Uh, how, how shall I communicate my love? If I appear in person in all of my glory, it will frighten them. They'll run away from me rather than come to me. So he thought, if I speak, if they hear the thunder of my voice, they, they might not grasp the uh, totality of, of uh, the, the love that I have for them, and they may not even respond. So he thought, how in the world can I provide for them something which is indescribable that will show them uh, my love? So he said, I know. I'll send a baby. Babies don't frighten people. Uh, babies are so tender and soft and helpless. Maybe they will hold the baby in their arms. Maybe they will touch the soft skin of this baby. Maybe they will hear the gentle sighs of a baby. Maybe they will experience my love if I send a baby. So, in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son. It's indescribable, everything that he has done for us. Now there's one more good piece of news as I close this sermon. The best news of all is you don't have to be able to describe him to know him. And many here know him, maybe some don't know him. But you don't have to describe him and understand all that he is to know his love. It's just like the drama team said earlier. It's simple. It really is simple. Uh, accepting Christ as the, the key person and the leader and the master uh, in your life. Let's put up this last slide as I close here. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not uh, have life. It's as simple as that. Know Jesus, 
and you're with him forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, great, great theme of Scripture that you have showed us this day. How wonderful Jesus is. We feel his love and we thank you that he loves each of us as individuals and we claim him as our Lord. Amen.